Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Have you ever um, have you ever prayed for a very long time about something, and it took a long time for that answer to come? Maybe some of you are still praying about things, and you pray, and you pray again, and you pray yet again, and you bring it before God yet again, and you keep bringing these requests, you keep bringing these prayer concerns before God, and it just seems like, in some instances, God's not listening, God's not working. You start to begin to wonder, am I praying for the right thing? Am I praying the wrong thing? Was I off when I began to pray. And then what an incredible thing it is when at long last, God answers a prayer and God responds and he does so in a way beyond anything you could imagine. Uh, on a personal note, we, we had that happen this week. Some of you know that, that my wife, Rebecca, she has a, a podcast that has just taken off and uh, she interviews a lot of uh, leaders and writers and thinkers from all over the the Christian world, and they're just a she's just enjoying incredible success with that. But something that some of you might not know is that she's been writing for a long while now, and just this past week she finally uh, signed a contract with David C. Cook Publishers for a two book deal, and that's a that's a very very big deal. And so we are so proud of her for that. Amen. Absolutely. Well, a one book deal would have been amazing. A two book deal, that's just remarkable. And she will be the first one to tell you, did she work at it? Yes. Did she invest time in this process? Yes. But the number one thing that she did was pray. And she's been praying for years about this. And now we see that, that God has answered. And if we were to go around this room, we would find many of us would have testimonies where we would say, there is something that I prayed for, and I took it before God, and I laid it before God again and again and again and again, and then one day, God answered. God answered in a way that was far beyond, Ephesians 3.20, far beyond anything I could ask, far beyond anything that I could even imagine. But in the meantime... From the time we start praying to the time God answers that prayer, there is a need for endurance. A few months ago, we began formulating this series, and I knew that we wanted to call it the 21 because we were going to have a 21 uh, day span of prayer as a church. And if you've been getting those emails, hopefully you've been reading them and praying along with us every day. And as we've been praying together, a few months ago as I was planning this this series, one of the things that I knew was come week three, or at least at the end of week two, the third sermon in the four-sermon series, I need to pray about persevering in prayer. Why? Because this is probably about the time in our prayer journey as a church that you have started to get some hits that Satan's been working, that you're starting to 
to grow weary, that maybe you're getting a little tired. Maybe you need that, that second wind. And, and God's been allowing things to come that are just kind of wearing you down. I know we've been having that as a family over the last few weeks, just one thing after another, after another, after another. And so we find that anytime God is at work, Satan is at work to try to derail the work of God. That's always the case. We can anticipate that. We can expect that. And that is why whenever we pray, Satan would love to keep us from praying. So when we pray, we need to know how do we endure in prayer? How can we persevere in prayer in the midst of the warfare that's going on? Because ultimately, we talked about this during our first Sunday together in this series. Prayer is warfare. You have to understand that. Prayer is warfare. And so whenever we're going into this warfare, we need to understand how to persevere in that battle. And the Bible gives us a great illustration and a great word on how to persevere. It's found in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells his disciples a parable. Luke 18, starting in verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Pray with me. Lord God, we pray this morning that you might speak to us from your word. We pray that you might give us encouragement to persevere in prayer. And Father, I know that there are, there are people who have grown weary in their praying. And I know that many of them maybe want to quit praying. They want to give up on what they're praying for. It's been so long that they've been praying for certain things. But Father, I pray that today that you just might breathe fresh breath, new life, new encouragement, new boldness into them to continue to pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice what Jesus says when he, when he gives this parable. He talks about a certain judge. Now, we're talking about this would be a political religious leader. And there's this political religious leader of sorts. And, and Jesus says that there's this woman who lives in the town with this judge. And this judge, Jesus already lays it out, he, he neither feared God nor respected man. He was not a follower of the one true God. He didn't care about God, didn't have any sort of fear of God whatsoever. And he really didn't care what anybody else thought either. And so here's this judge. He's, he's not operating by God's principles, but yet at the same time, he doesn't really care what anybody else says. And there's a widow that's coming to him. Evidently, she has some sort of legal uh, problem that can be resolved by this judge. And so she's going to this judge again and again and again, asking him to give her justice against her adversary. Someone had done something against her, rightly so, she was going to him saying, I need you to make this right. I need you to fix this, judge. Now, I had a, a woman many years ago tell me, she said, this is my verse that I use for justification for complaining all the time. 
And I said, well, first of all, no, the Bible speaks about complaining and grumbling. And number two, you don't even know your Bible. You're taking that out of context. And she said, well, no, he says that it says God wants us to just keep bothering him, but also keep bothering people till we get it fixed. Because, you know, she said, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. (laughs) And then I quoted to her a quote that one of my mentors used to say, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease and sometimes the squeaky wheel gets replaced. So well, when the squeak just keeps on and a little bit of grease doesn't help, just replace the wheel. And so um, we have to understand that's not what this verse is talking about. This parable is not talking about complain all the time, right? This woman has a legitimate concern and she's approaching this judge about this particular concern. Now let's, let's clarify something here. Sometimes people say, well, in this parable, the widow who is persistent is us and God is that judge. Okay, wait a minute. No, God's not that judge. Because it says that this judge is an evil person. Jesus isn't comparing his heavenly father to this judge. So we have to understand that many times when Jesus teaches, he uses these comparisons. Sometimes there'll be a comparison that is a comparison from uh, greater to lesser. For instance, whenever we find in the Bible that if, if God freely gave us his son, if he gave us his son, then how then will he not freely give us all things through him? So that's an argument from greater to lesser. If God took care of our greatest need, our sin problem through the sacrifice of his son, then he's going to take care of all the lesser things. And that's, that's what that idea is. That's an argument from the greater to the lesser. Here, Jesus is using the reverse. It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Jesus is saying, listen, if this evil, unrighteous man who doesn't fear God, he doesn't fear man, he doesn't care what anybody thinks, he doesn't follow the law of God, if this guy will respond to somebody who is coming to him simply to get them off his back, How much more would your loving, perfectly righteous, holy father respond to those who are his, who continue to come to him and ask? So it's an argument from lesser to the greater. If a judge will do this so he won't be bothered, how much more will your father answered out of the goodness of his heart and his graciousness? So we have to understand that's the first thing. If we are going to persevere in prayer, we must be bold in God's grace. We must be bold in God's grace. That's what he's saying. This widow is bold. She is going and she just keeps on addressing this evil judge. Notice what the judge says. He says, uh, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Some translations say so that she will not wear me out. The the phrase means literally to give someone a black eye. Her hounding me is just beating me up, he says. I'm just going to answer to get her off my back. And yet we have our heavenly father who gives graciously. So whenever we're praying, we have to understand we can approach God boldly because of his grace. It's not about us though. Listen to Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. So we say, oh, well, that's great. So that means if I do everything right, if I, if I jump through all the hoops, if I follow all the guidelines, if I check all the boxes, then God's going to answer my prayer. 
No, because that righteousness is not just about things we do. That righteousness is a heart issue. It's something that goes on in our heart. It's something that God works in our heart. If you start looking through the Bible about unanswered prayer or prayer where the answer is delayed, you'll find a list of reasons that sometimes prayer is delayed or prayer is not answered, or at least it's answered with a no. Sometimes we pray for the wrong things. Sometimes when we pray, we're just asking for the wrong thing. And sometimes we're asking for the right thing, but we're asking for the wrong reasons. If if you're asking for the absolutely the right thing, but your motivation is wrong, well, that's the wrong thing, even though it's the right thing, because you're asking the wrong way or asking for the wrong reasons. Sometimes God delays our prayer because God is working out things for that answer to occur that we can't see. They're going on behind the scenes. Think about Daniel whenever he prays. And for a number of of weeks, his prayer is delayed because there's a spiritual battle that is going on behind the scenes that he's not privy to. So we find that there are numerous reasons, but we have to understand one of the things that hinders us from praying in the right way, and one of the things that causes a disruption between our prayer life and God answering those prayers is something going on in our heart. Psalm 66, 18, if I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So if I cherish iniquity, if I have unconfessed sin, unrepentant, unconfessed sin in my heart, and then I go to God and I start praying, we find that God is not obligated to listen or answer those prayers. Now, what do we make of this? Well, go back to James 4, 3, something we just touched on. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. If I have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in my heart, do you know what I'm going to do when I pray? I'm going to pray the wrong way. I won't pray for the right things because my heart won't be aligned. Uh, I had had somebody ask the question as we've been walking through this 21 days of prayer. Someone said, when are we going to get to the asking part? The stuff that we ask God about. Yeah, we've gone through a time of adoration where we've given God praise and we've focused our heart on God. We've gone through this time of confession where we've confessed sins to God. And we've, we've wrapped up this time of thanksgiving where we've been giving thanks to God. And now we're in a, a short little span in the 21 days of prayer where we're talking about things that might hinder us from praying, whether that's fear or waiting today or worry or doubt or anything like that. And then we get to the asking. The reason that the asking comes later and people say, well, that's the most urgent. Yeah, but we don't know how we should ask until our hearts are lined up with God. We need to spend time getting lined up with God and getting clean before God, allowing God to transform our want to's so that whenever we ask and we go before him and we pray, we'll be praying the right things. Have you ever been praying and you realized you're praying the wrong thing? And if you prayed long enough, you started praying the right thing. Sometimes, have you ever done that? Have you ever started praying a prayer? And by the end of that prayer time, you're praying something completely different than you were when you started because God did a work in your heart. We need to make sure that we are lined up with God and we need to make sure that we are depending upon his grace. We don't go demand things before God. We're dependent upon his grace. Listen to Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. Listen to this prayer. Oh my God, 
Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. The prayer is not, God, look at all that we've done. Look at all that we are now. You better work. No, it's God. It's because of your mercy that we're coming before you. It's just because of your grace. But we can go boldly to him. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us then with confidence, with boldness, with, with certainty, with assurance, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you're going to persevere in prayer, you need to be bold in God's grace. I know some of you have heard this story, but a number of years ago, I was in a counseling appointment and the guy came and sat down in my office uh, back when I was in Knoxville and he sat down and he said, I just want you to know I'm angry at God. And I said, what are you angry at God about? And he started giving me a list of things that he was angry at God about. And I, he said, I am just so furious and I'm just, I'm just so angry at him all the time. And I said, well, why don't we pray to God about that? He said, okay. And I said, well, you go ahead and you, you start. We'll just pray together. And he says, Oh, gracious heavenly father, I come before you and I love you so much. And I come before you with such a thankful heart. And so I interrupted him. I said, time out. Wait. He said, don't interrupt my prayer. He whispered like, don't interrupt my prayer. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm praying. And I said, you've just sat here for a half an hour and told me how angry you are at God, how furious you are at God, how, how, how put off you are with God himself. And then you start your prayer like that. And he drops his voice down to a whisper and he says, well, I can't really tell God how I feel. And I said, why are you whispering? It's the Lord God of the universe, the omniscient one. Do you not already think he heard our conversation earlier? Do you not already think he knows what goes on in your heart? You, you need to be honest with God. And so we can go boldly before God. We know that there is grace to be had through Christ. That's the only reason we can approach God. It's because of the grace that we have in Christ. And so we can boldly approach him. That doesn't mean we approach him flippantly. That doesn't mean we approach him in some way demanding something. It doesn't mean that we approach God and say, well, God, here I am. Now the show can start. Let's get on with it. You need to answer. You need to fix this, God. And I'm just going to sit here right here till you do it. No. But we approach because of his grace. Some of you may be tempted to give up on praying because you feel like, well, I can never go before God and talk to God about that. Because that's too big of a deal. That's too much to ask. I don't, I don't really want to do that. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, who am I to go before God? Exactly. It's not a matter of who are we to go before God. That's a good attitude to have. That's humility. But we have to understand who God is that we can go before God. It's not based on us. It's based on the work of God in our heart, aligning our hearts and minds with him. And then God saying, come to me. Come to me through my son. Come to me and you will find that grace. You'll find boldness so you can ask boldly. I think sometimes our prayers are so small because we don't understand how great of a God that we serve. I think we just don't understand just how incredibly gracious he is. So we can go before him. Uh, one writer one time said that 
the the boldness that we have as christians is the same boldness that the son of a king would have in calling on his father in the middle of the night for a glass of water that's it who, who does that a dependent child cries out to his daddy who might even be the king and say daddy i'm thirsty i need a drink of water that's the same boldness that we can have knowing that our heavenly father is not an unrighteous judge. No, he is completely and totally righteous. He is completely and totally just. God is always going to do exactly what is right. So if we're going to persevere in prayer, we can be bold in God's grace. We also need to be passionate for God's will. We need to be passionate for his will. Look at verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Cry out day and night, passionate about it. Have a a burden that they're crying out to God about. And believe in what they're praying. Sometimes people ask the question, well, how long should I pray about a particular thing? Here's the answer. As long as you believe it is God's will. That's how long you pray. Yeah, but what if that takes years? As long as you believe that is God's will. Now, based on his word, I don't mean like, well, I just got a feeling and I just feel like that's God's will. No, I'm talking about you go to God's word, you see what God's word says, you depend upon his truth and you, you cling to his truth and you go, okay, well, I'm going to seek, I'm going to seek his will. I'm going to be passionate for God's will. One of my favorite examples of this is found in the life of Elijah. You find in James chapter 5, verse 16, the second part of that verse, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Uh, New King James says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. God, as as a mark of judgment upon the nation... The word of the Lord came to Elijah, we find when you go back in the Old Testament and read the account, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, go and declare a drought. And we find in James that Elijah prays, he gets the word of the Lord, and then he prays that God's word would come to pass. And then God withholds rain for three years and six months. And then we find that he prays again and it does rain. But notice what it says, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was a man with a nature like ours. Some translations, he was a man just like us. Elijah wasn't a superhero. Elijah wasn't one of these people that you look at and you go, wow, I I can never have the prayer life of Elijah. James is saying, yes, you can. Because Elijah was a person just like us. He got tired. He got weary. He got frustrated. He got concerned. He got scared. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got all these things. He's a man with a nature just like us. But notice what it says. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. I got curious a few years back because I love the story of Elijah. He's my, my, my favorite character in the Old Testament. And I read, I was reading through just the life of Elijah. I was just going through just a kind of a survey of my own of of the life of Elijah. And when I got to that, and and it said that he prayed fervently that it might not rain. So I I went and I looked that up. Now, I don't don't sit there with a Greek New Testament and just sit there like some of my friends do who who are versed in that sort of thing and just read the Greek right from the original Greek. And I had a friend of mine that used to do that. He'd go, oh, look at that. And I'm like, I have no idea you got to translate. Come on, man. Uh, 
right? Because I, I, I I'm not there. So I looked this up, and it says he prayed fervently. Literally, it says this, praying, he prayed. Wait, what? Praying, he prayed. What does that mean? It means that he just, he didn't just pray, he pray prayed. That's what it says. Praying, he prayed. He pray prayed. It doesn't say, well, Elijah just prayed that it might not rain. No, Elijah pray prayed that it would not rain. It's sort of like the difference in someone praying for you and praying on you. Do you know the difference? Right? Sometimes, you know, there have been people I have prayed for, and then there are people I pray on. Like, Lord, get on them. I do. I do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say that. I do. I pray that a lot for some of you specifically. <laughs> uh, don't ask. Um, but no, there are people, and you know this, you do it in your own life. There are people you pray for, and then there are people you just pray on. Well, Elijah prayed on. He pray prayed. He went before God and he prayed passionately to God. He let it be known. Why? Because he had gotten a word from the Lord. He knew it was God's will. And so he was passionate about God's will. It wasn't something Elijah dreamt up himself. It wasn't like he was sitting around, you know, twiddling his thumbs one day and thought, you know what this nation needs? A drought. That'd be really good. I think I'll pray for that. No. God said, declare a drought. Elijah declares a drought. And then it wasn't just a matter of Elijah said, drought, come on. And it came. No. Elijah prayed. And he prayed, prayed, praying, he prayed. Would that be true of your life? Would that be true of your prayer life? Uh, a, a few weeks ago, I just became convicted that, that I just, you know, that God was just saying, I, you, you need to pray more. And I'm thinking, pray more? Like, increase my time of prayer? And God kept bringing me back to this verse. No, it's not necessarily increasing the time of prayer. It's increasing the intensity of the prayer. When you are praying, pray, pray. Don't just pray. Don't have a prayer life. Have a praying prayer life. And so we find that we are to be passionate for God's will. We find when Elijah prays the second time to break the drought over in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, King Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. What's Elijah hearing? There ain't no rain. There's not even a cloud. Not yet, but what is Elijah doing? Elijah knows the will of God, and he's about to pray the will of God. Ahab, you better go get a head start, because it's about to start. I don't hear anything. Well, you, you better go, because you just better go, because it's about to happen. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again. Seven times. Seven times Elijah's praying. He prays, he gets on his knees, he puts his face down between his knees, and he's crying out to God and he's praying. And then he says, all right, go look. And the servant goes and looks and says, nothing. Elijah goes, okay. Praise again. Seven times he does this. If he had been like most of us, probably sometime around time number four, he he would have said, well, all right, I guess we're just going to have a drought. We're done. No, 
He knows the will of God. He's passionate about the will of God. He keeps praying seven times. And then finally, verse 44, at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. (laughs) What does Elijah say? That's it. Little bitty tiny cloud. That's it. That's the one. That's it. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And a little while, while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. What did Elijah do? He prayed, and praying, he prayed. Maybe that's what you need in your life. Maybe that's what you need to boost your prayer life. You need to passionately pray God's will. As long as you believe it's God's will, keep praying it. If God has said it in his word, you know it's God's will. Keep praying it. Well, why does God delay? Well, I found a great quote from Jonathan Edwards about this. He wrote, it is very apparent from the word of God that he often tries the faith and patience of his people when they are crying to him for some great and important mercy by withholding the mercy sought for a season. And not only so, but at first he may cause an increase of dark appearances. And yet he without fail at last prospers those who continue urgently in prayer with all perseverance and will not let him go except he blesses. Sometimes when you start praying for something and you start praying passionately, you know what's going to happen? It's going to seem even more unlikely than it did when you started praying. More difficulties may arise. Why? Maybe to test your faith. You start praying for something and God may just allow more things to come, more negative things, more difficult things. Why? Do you still believe it's God's will? Are you willing to be passionate about God's will and pray about God's will even when the going gets tough? Because if it's God's will, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter who says what. It doesn't matter whether negativity comes from. It doesn't matter how big the difficulty is. It doesn't matter what roadblock gets thrown in your way. As long as you believe it's God's will, you just keep praying. And God may just allow those things to come just to see how serious you are about it. Just to see, do they really believe this is my will? Because if you truly believe it's God's will, nothing should stop you from continuing to pray for that thing. So if you believe it's God's will, you keep praying. Yeah, but I've been praying for years. There have some, been some things I've been praying for for years. And I'll get a little glimmer here and there, and then, it, then I won't. People I've been praying for for years that God would save them. Get a little glimmer, and then no. And then yes, then no. You know what? I believe it's God's will, so I keep praying. You keep praying as long as you believe it's God's will. So we're bold in God's grace to persevere. We're passionate for God's will. And then we're surrendered to God's truth. We operate by faith. We hear from God. We take his truth and we believe what he says. I tell you, Jesus says, this is in verse eight. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus said, God's going to answer, but let me just ask, will 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 the son of man really find faith on earth whenever he comes? Are they operating by faith? Are they surrendered to my father's truth? You've heard me say it so many times, the idea of faith. Faith is receiving a report from God and then responding in the right way. So we, we receive this report from God and then we surrender to his truth. We, when we pray, we surrender ourselves to God's truth. When we're persevering in prayer, we're surrendering to God's truth. We're operating by faith. 
When things don't seem like it, when things don't look like it, when things seem to be running quite the contrary to what we are praying for, we trust by faith and we surrender to God's truth. We surrender to what he says. This is why in James chapter 1 verse 6, James writes in the verse before, verse 5, we looked at this, that we can pray for wisdom and that God will give liberally. He gives without reproach whenever we pray for wisdom. But then we have verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by that wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. James goes on and says, God's going to answer if you pray for wisdom, but ask without doubting, ask believing that he's going to do what he says, ask surrendered to his truth and God will answer. But you have to operate by faith. When we pray, we're praying by faith and we persevere in that way. This is why we find in Matthew chapter seven, verses seven and eight, it's a beloved passage for so many of us. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And then he continues in verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Why do you knock on a door? Because the door is closed. We knock on closed doors. We knock asking God to open that door. Why do we ask for something? We ask because we don't have it. Why do we seek something? Because we want to find it. So whenever we go before God and we are asking and we are knocking and seeking, when we're going before God, we are going trusting his truth, depending upon his truth, surrendering to his truth and saying, I'm just going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking. That's what the tenses of those verbs actually say. It's not just for everyone who asks receives. No, literally it's everyone who keeps asking. If you keep on asking, that's what Jesus is saying. Keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you'll find it. Keep on knocking. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, keep praying. Continue to ask. Continue to go before God and surrender yourself to his truth and ask him. Don't give up in your praying. Pray, pray. Keep praying. There's this beautiful illustration that we find in the Old Testament, and then it's reflected again in the New Testament. Over in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 141, the psalmist writes in verse 2, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. The priests would go into that most holy place and whenever they would offer the sacrifices and they would, they would take incense and they would put it on that altar and that the smoke from that incense would rise up to God as an offering. And the psalmist says, that's what I want my prayers to be like. I want my prayers to be like that incense that is an act of worship and it goes up to you, oh God. Have you thought about that? When you pray, that is an act of worship. You are going before God as an act of worship. And you can continually offer those prayers to God, offer that, the incense of those prayers to God. Over in Revelation, 
This is sort of the New Testament parallel to what you find in Psalm 141. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 2, John writes, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And look at verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. That's where they would put the hot coals that would burn the incense. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. The prayers of the saints offered before God. You know, there are prayers that I know of. I know of them because the day that my daddy died, my parent or my mom and my brother were going through some of his things and they found in his briefcase prayers that he had written out. Prayers for different people, prayers for his church, prayers for his family. We never knew they were there. In fact, when I did his funeral, I closed his service by reading one of his prayers that he had written out for the people of God. And as I was reading some of those prayers, the thing that struck me was some of those prayers, when he prayed them, he prayed for things that would happen later on in our lives. And I see some of those things having come to pass, even after my father's death. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about when you endure in prayer, your prayers endure? And when you outlast the difficulties in prayers or difficulties while you're praying, when you outlast those difficulties while you're praying, sometimes your prayers might outlast your earthly life. My dad's prayers are still being answered, even though he ceased praying them here a while ago. Your prayers matter. Your prayers endure. So we endure in prayer. Sometime when you have time this week, go to John chapter 17 and read the prayer of Jesus for all believers before he goes to the cross that we might be one, that we might be unified, that we might know that, that God has loved us just as he has loved his son. Do you realize the prayers of Jesus are still in effect? The prayers of Jesus that he prayed before he went to the cross, they're still being answered in each of our lives, day by day by day. Praying, Elijah prayed, man with a nature just like ours. Jesus says that we should pray and not lose heart. You can persist in prayer because God is absolutely gracious. And you can persist in prayer when you know God's will. And you can persist in prayer whenever you depend upon and surrender to the truth of God himself. Your prayers matter. Keep praying. Pray, pray. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. We're thankful for the gift of prayer. We're thankful that you give us guidelines on how to pray. Not a list of do's and don'ts and check boxes, but Father, how to have our hearts aligned with you 
so that we may have your heart and we may have your mind and we may be aligned with your will and, and you may do a work of transformation in us so that we will pray in the right way and we will understand that we can approach you by the grace that is found in Christ and we can understand that, that we can come before you and lay these prayer concerns out and be passionate about it because we are completely and totally surrendered to your will and to your truth. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that has never surrendered to Christ. Father, I pray today would be the day they would say yes. There may be people here today, Lord God, who have been prayed for by their friends and their loved ones. That they would receive Christ. That they would finally surrender to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and surrender to a life following Jesus alone. Father, I I pray that today would be the day that those prayers would be answered. I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to convict them. I pray that you would continue to reveal that Jesus came, God himself, God in the flesh, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and then rose again after three days, showing that you were satisfied with that sacrifice for sin. And if we come to him in faith, if we come to him in trust, if we surrender our lives to Christ and say, please forgive me, I want to live for you, and we repent of our sins, then you save us. And then you transform us in the likeness of Christ. And then we enjoy that sweet fellowship with you through prayer. Father, I pray today would be the day they would say yes to you. Father, I pray for anybody here this morning, listening or even present, who would say, I just feel like giving up in my prayers. I've been praying for so long about these particular things. And for so long, I've seen nothing change. Father, I pray that today they would just renew their passion and their boldness and their surrender to you and cast themselves before you and just cry out and pray and persevere in their prayer, knowing that their prayers may outlast them. Father, we give you thanks, we give you glory, we give you praise for a life with you. And we give you thanks and glory and praise for the gift, again, of prayer. May we never take that for granted. May we never take it lightly. And may we see the gift of prayer more clearly for what it truly is. Communicating with you, the Lord God, the King of the universe. So, Father, I pray during this time of decision, whatever decision that anyone might have, whether it's surrendering to you, surrendering to a life of Christ, maybe it's someone saying, I I need to be baptized. I want to join the church. Maybe somebody just has some questions. Maybe someone just, just says, I just need somebody to pray with me about these particular things. Father, I pray whatever it is. Maybe there's somebody here that says, God's been dealing with me. And I, I just sense God's leading me to surrender to him in ministry. I don't know what that looks like, but I just, I, just, I, just, I just need to surrender to him. Father, I pray that today would be that day, a day of decision. I pray that you would answer prayers, not just now, not just in the next few moments, but in the days to come. We would see you answer prayers according to your will for your glory alone. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.